Guess what? We are in season seven of the Iron Woman podcast. I'm Rosalie, and I really like Crave Jerky pink flavor. Also, it's raining tacos from out of the sky. Tacos, no need to ask why. Just open your mouth and close your eyes. It's raining tacos, yum, 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 and yum. It's like a dream. Also, we couldn't do this without our sponsors, Wahoo Fitness, FTC Nutrition, and Smash Fest Queen. And now, the ladies you've been waiting for, Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now. How was your Thanksgiving? Hey, Alyssa. My Thanksgiving was really great, actually. It was it was a fun time. We had a beautiful day here in Bozeman. I had breakfast with my parents. We do Thanksgiving breakfast. I don't know if I mentioned that last week, but um, my family's a big breakfast family. We really, really like breakfast. So I went out to their house for breakfast and then had a little get-together with my friends later in the day, and it was very easy for me. All I had to do was buy some like cheese and crackers and pie, so no cooking involved. Actually, I did make some – I baked some cookies as like an appetizer because I wanted cookies, but then I still ate the rest of the meal too, but it was great. Nice. That sounds pretty similar. I think, you know, I just had my parents coming into town and so it was just the three of us. They, I must've forgotten to tell them that I already had gotten a couple pies because they showed up with two pies. So we had four pies and three people, which we decided was actually like not a problem at all. And I'm a huge pie for breakfast person. So I'm still eating that, but I didn't cook either. We just went out to a dinner here in Charlottesville and it was really, really good. So, you know, we didn't, I, I do miss the like day after Thanksgiving turkey sandwich situation that you can have with all the leftovers and stuff like that. But I may do no dishes, no dishes for you though. Exactly. And just none of the hard parts of the cooking. I mean, it's, it's all doable, but I didn't really feel like doing it. I have to be honest. Yeah, I agree. There's only so many hours in the day and sometimes you're just not into cooking, but I did hear it was really cold in the Eastern U S did you get hit by that? You know, that cold front, I I just, well, I saw from the parade, the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade where they were like worried they wouldn't get the balloons up because it was so cold. And, but then it, I think they still got them flying. The news made it seem like we could get the really cold or we might not. And we were definitely like on the line of the weather pattern or whatever, but it got colder. Like you could tell a cold front had moved in, but it was not as cold as they made it seem like it could be. I think down here in Virginia, we were like definitely below the worst of it. The Northeast definitely got a lot of cold, but I did, I did a turkey trot and I was all bundled up. I like thought it was going to be so, so cold and terrible. And then it actually ended up being like, quite comfortable for running a hard 5k. So that was fun. And then I got to enjoy the rest of Thanksgiving relaxing. But did you, does Bozeman have a turkey trot? Did you partake? They do. Bozeman has huffing for stuffing. So I think it's a 5k or a 10k, but I didn't participate. (laughs) I, um, I don't know. It's just something about the roads are kind of icy and I do run in spikes, but I don't know how I feel about racing in spikes and 
I'm kind of lazy. I had an easier day on Thanksgiving, kind of a just easy run. And so I took advantage of that. And I went out in the middle of the day during the warmest part of the day. And it was glorious. I did it in between meals. So it kind of like, <laughs> you know, it got me ready for the second meal. So I kind of took advantage of my, my lighter training day and save the racing for next time. I do love the turkey trots and I do love all those, you know, in Atlanta, when I lived there, I ran the, the half marathon on Thanksgiving day several times. And the marathon once actually, that was my last standalone marathon was the Atlanta Thanksgiving marathon, which does not exist anymore. It was on the Olympic course. It was I guess it's still my standalone marathon PR, although I think I've gone faster in an Ironman now. It would be tough to get me motivated to run a full marathon on Thanksgiving. I feel like banging out a 5K is like, you know, acceptable. I can like get up before, also before family really notices that like I'm gone doing workouts and stuff and it's quick enough. But marathon would be next level kind of kind of situation for pre-Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, it was, it was one of my favorite race experiences ever because it was like a small marathon. I think there were like 500 people, which is probably why they don't have it anymore, but you ran the like Olympic course. So it was so cool to, you know, do that. And it's still one of my favorite experiences. My friend Shelly came out and then I actually went to her in-laws house and had a big feast afterwards. So it's, it's a good memory. I have a good one, good memory of that race, even though it doesn't exist anymore, but you can still run the half there and lots of people do. It's huge. So Congratulations to everyone who did get their turkey trots on this year. Well, and Haley, I have to say, I was pushed by to a 5K PR this past <gasps> at my nice. turkey trot by. So I, I mean, as you do, kind of right, like it's a local. This one, some turkey trots are like big, like you know, they have prize purses and like it's known to be quite fast and things like that. The turkey trot I do is not that situation. It's put on by the YMCA. I just really like the vibe. There's actually a 500-yard swim beforehand, so you can do the swim and then run if you want to. So I did that two years ago. This year, I didn't do the swim because I I thought it was going to be that cold, and I didn't want my hair to be wet while I was running and everything like that. So I totally wussed out on the swim situation before this year. But anyway, so I was racing, and there was this adorable 13-year-old girl lined up in the front next to me. And she had like really cool shoes on. So we were talking a little bit about that. And then we went off and I guess I'm just used to like local races where the younger kids kind of go out pretty hard. And then inevitably they don't understand, like, you know, they're not wearing garments. They don't have the technology really or like the pacing inside them yet to understand how fast they're running. And however, you know, unlike other times where eventually I overtake them, I was not overtaking this girl. And so I was like, oh my goodness, this is like, this girl's the next Shalane. Like, who am I racing? Right. So I am like dying, like killing myself to be getting past her. And I passed her probably just before mile two, I think. And I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. And you get luckily. So the first mile is like three quarters of a mile uphill. So you get that on the downhill to come back into the start finish. And so I make that turn and Haley, I look behind me. And so first of all, you know, I'm looking. So like, I'm worried and I just see her like so hot on my heels. It was unbelievable. And I was like, I thought, I mean, I thought I was going to die because you just feel that way in a 5k when you're running that hard. My heart was going to explode. I was like, this is how I go. The Thanksgiving turkey trot. Like, I'm really sorry, family, (laughs) but like, this is embarrassing, but I have to keep trying as hard as I can. your Your parents would have four pies for two people. (laughs) so I ran and I, I did end up, I actually, I, I actually let her take, I, so I, you turn into the finish and she was still like, 
I would say I put some time into her on the downhill, but she was still very, very close to me. And so as we turned in, I kind of like didn't cross over the line and I let her cross first because I was <gasps> like, honestly, Haley. So a couple things. One, I wanted her to have the win because I knew I couldn't stay for awards and I wouldn't have run. I ran at 18, including that little pull off. I ran at 1825 Haley. So that was nice. like, and I think it was a tad short, but that was much faster than I had run there a couple years ago. And there's no way I would have run that fast without her. So I was really excited for her. And so, you know, whenever you do something like that, it's kind of like, I don't know, but I really wanted her. I knew there's like one trophy. And I was like, this girl like earned that freaking trophy. And her dad was so excited. I talked to the family afterwards. And so she's actually going to junior Olympics and she's like quite a strong 13 year old runner. And I just really hope that she sticks with it because I know there's a lot of 13 year old girls that are really fast and they have some life ahead of them. So Charlotte, if you ever listen to this podcast, keep running because you're amazing. And you are so inspiring to me. She was running in like, uh, Kaylee, it reminded me of you. She had like a cotton t-shirt and like cotton sweatpants on. And I was like, this is Haley. Like, and I'm in my t-shirt like, girl. I know like, I I'm in like wearing all my arrows, like technology things I feel like can make me fat. And I needed every last ounce of that to like do that. So I was really inspired. It was really fun. She was super cute. And we had, we had fun. So that was good. Way to go, Alyssa. Inspiring the next generation. I'm glad Charlotte it should be glad it was she was racing you and not me because I would have been like oh I'm out kicking her <laughs> that 13 year old I probably would have killed myself trying to outkick the 13 year old and then yeah everyone would have had pie well, without I, me I, it's funny because I like I think if she had been winning I would I don't know it's just such an interesting dynamic racing you know but when it I feel like on Thanksgiving it was okay I just congratulations yeah. to I hope you, she though, comes back next that, year for the rematch that is Speedy running that has to make you feel good about upcoming races. It does make me feel good that the long trail didn't slow me down for the rest of my life. So if nothing else I did, yeah, I, I feel good. Ran about, a 5k PR. Yeah. Post right. Long trail. Same so, year, same year you run a 273 yeah. mile PR. You've also run a 5k <laughs> PR. That's pretty good. Only five days and two hours separate the two. But yes, that's, that's, that's the span of what I can run. But anyway, Haley, I heard that you got a mailbag question for us this week. I did. I got a mailbag question and it's an interesting one. So someone wrote in saying, what if all the pro women got together and decided to start a race that had extra floating slots. So this is in response to Ironman Arizona, which we talked about last week, where they think there were 32 men who started and 12 or 15 women. And so the men ended up with three Kona slots and the women ended up with one. So this readers are, or listeners idea is that what if everyone, you know, all bunch of pro women just went to a race and just started, even if you had no intention of finishing, just starting this race with extra floating slots. So we flood the women's field so that all the slots, you know, women get three slots and men get one. What do you think about that, Alyssa? So I love the idea. I love the concept and I feel like we're, we're really putting together some good ideas. I think realistically we would need like a lot of funding. I think it's just not realistic to expect people to be able to go in our shoes, right. To be able to go fund themselves, to go travel to a race if they're not quite ready for it. And then basically just to be padding the numbers, you know, whether or not they plan to finish that race or race it or not fully. But like, you know, we put so much of our resources into those races that really are going to matter that we can make money off of hopefully. Right. And so I think, I think that's just a huge consideration there, but 
I did hear in Arizona, Haley, that there were some women who had traveled out there and had gotten sick or something, you know, like had just happened and they had decided not to start. They did, you know, probably wanted to save themselves to raise something else or something like that. And I would encourage us, I think, to if we are there and we've already spent the money to get ourselves there. I mean, even even if you're pretty sick, I feel like maybe we just all start. Right. Because that's what matters is to have the people start. And so whether or not you finish after that is up to you. But it would be definitely in everyone's best interest where if you've already used your resources to get yourself there, get yourself to the start line and get starting so that we can see how that does affect things. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, I agree. And I think that Torsten Rad, our friend at tryrating.com, he, statistician extraordinaire that he has kind of figured out the algorithm that Ironman is using to allocate these slots. And so it's, if they're twice the men as women, the two extra floating slots will go to the men. So men get three times the number of slots as women. Women will get, men will get three slots, men, women will get one. But if there's 1.9 times the number of men, the slots will be equal. There'll be two men's and two women's. So I guess in the example of Arizona, if there had been, you know, two or three more women, the slot would have gone to the second place woman rather than the third place man. So it doesn't take a whole lot more. It doesn't take a whole lot more women to kind of tip those scales. So I guess it does give you that, that option again, where maybe if you, if you were there, I know I've had that where I did travel to a race, got sick and didn't start yeah, maybe you just get in the water and do that. But again, I, I think asking someone to fly to Argentina to start, you know, a championship race with these floating slots so that women can get more slots is too much to ask. Cause that's a big, a big financial ask. And if that's the case, like go when you're a hundred percent, don't just go just for slots. That said though, if anyone has a business that wants to fund this for a female pro, you can get in <laughs> touch with us at iron women podcast at you just write to the mailbag. <laughs> Iron podcast at gmail.com. Gmail. Right. <laughs> thank you for the question. I think it's a, it's an interesting, uh, idea and something I'm sure people are thinking about and who knows, maybe in the future we will get a big financial sponsor and have like 80 women starting some race. It is still such a shame, Haley, that we're like resorting to trickery here to have to do it. But where that is a, a shame. Will, <laughs> that is a shame. <laughs> we have, we're like, how do we game the system? Um, equality is a better option for everyone, but Yeah. Exactly. We do what we have to. And Haley, coming up next, we actually have an interview with Carly Johan and she raced age group with us and then turned pro around the same time that we did. She has been racing now professionally for the past four year, four seasons, I believe. And she just had her best results, I believe, to date as well. So she was fifth when you raced with her in Waco. And then a week later, she went to Los Cabos 70.3 and was fifth there. So she is clearly still on her way up the ranks. Um, you might also know her from social media as at TriCraft Beer. So of course, we ask her some questions about her love of craft beer. And she gives us some tips on Indian Wells 70.3 since she's a local of Southern California. So we'll have that chat with her after a word from our sponsors. Wahoo is dedicated to the journey of every athlete from a sprint to Ironman. Wahoo is with you every pedal stroke, every stride, and every trying moment with the commitment to make you better. As endurance athletes themselves, Wahoo provides an ecosystem of products, including kicker smart trainers, element bike computers, and ticker heart rate monitors 
to provide exactly what you need to reach the finish line and smash your training goals. Hi, Carly. Welcome to Iron Women. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So I want to start with your Instagram profile byline, Mm -hmm. which is, quote, trying to be the best at exercise professionally and drink beer from Tavor along the way. So first, did I say that? Is it Tavor? And can you tell our listeners what that is? Uh, It's a beer delivery service. Um, I have no like official anything with them. It's just, uh, I actually forgot. I still had that in there, but yeah, that's where I get most of my beer from unless I'm buying it, you know, locally, but, um, it's a delivery service that you sign up for and they send you different beers every day and you can select which ones you want. And then once a month, they, um, just put together a package of beers you wanted that month and send it to you. So you can get beers from all over the place. Like funny you should mention this one's from them. This is what I'm drinking now. It's from Wisconsin. So what is that it's, called? It's like a Hanape brewery. I don't even know how you say it, but it's like a, a blonde stout. Um, and it's a Wisconsin brewery and they're like a small little brewery that just happens to partner with Tavor. And, uh, I got their beer. So like the fridge is basically just full of different beers all the time because of the service. So keeps it interesting. So Carly, where did your, your fascination, your interest in beer come from? Cause this isn't something we usually see in endurance athletes <laughs> and even your, your Instagram handle is at try craft beer. So right. what is it about, I guess, beer and especially craft beer. And can you even tell me what craft beer, what makes a beer, a craft beer? I need a, I need a whole, whole tutorial here. <laughs> Basically it's just not mass produced and you know, for the masses, you know, like Bud Light's commercials now are like we're not for the one, we're for the many. So craft beer is like kind of the opposite. <laughs> it's, I mean, but it's extremely popular now. But well, so back to your original question, how it started for me. My dad brewed beer with my English teacher growing up. So when I was little, I always knew that there was like something better out there. You know, like there, there was good beer out there. Because um, my dad was like literally making it in my English teacher's basement. And then Dogfish Head Brewery is like 20 minutes from where I grew up in Delaware. So that was like the introduction to beer. Like my introduction to beer wasn't, you know, like Natty Light or something like that. It was like really good beer from Dogfish Head. And they're a craft brewery. So they're independently owned, independently operated, not owned, you know, real craft brewers aren't owned by like AB InBev, which is like one of the big um, like conglomerations that owns everybody. So they're, you know, mostly independently owned and they create, it's like an art, you know, they're creating their craft, um, in beer and they change it up all the time and they do small batches and keep things interesting. Um, so that's, that was beer for me growing up. So like my 21st birthday present, um, was still like going back. One of my favorite things was my now husband and uh, some of his roommates went together and filled a little mini fridge with me of 21 different beers that they got um, from like various craft breweries um, around New York state. So it's just, it's been like a long time thing for me. So I also grew up, I guess, kind of close to you. That must mean because Dogfish Head wasn't far. And yeah, like Dogfish Head 60 Minute and 90 Minute are actually some of my favorite beers. So little, little connection there. Although I also did or in my early drinking days, Natty Light was definitely one of the <laughs> selections that we went I mean, for. I mean, you have to so. play beer pong with something. Right. But. <laughs> <laughs> but we can talk about that with me another time. 
So what are your guidelines for enjoying alcohol while you're like training and racing? And have you ever had anyone try and talk you out of like drinking close to races? Because we see, you know, you're traveling and you just clearly like to go relax and have a beer. Um, I assume you're not having, you know, like tons of them. But still, you know, some people say like even one the night before I wouldn't do things like that. What's your response to that? My response is I'm always more of a quality over quantity person. So, yeah, I'm having, you know, a beer that's really good and that I enjoy. Maybe two. Um, You know, I'm not like getting wasted every night. (laughs) Um, And it's such a part of my daily thing that I can't see how it's really negatively affecting me um, because I just do it. You know, it's just it's one of those things like I have one a couple nights a week and I don't want to change anything leading up to race day. I think changing your routine leading up to race day is worse than like randomly having a beer the night before a race. Also, I don't think that depriving yourself of things that you like is a healthy approach to a healthy lifestyle. You know, I don't think it's the right approach to a healthy lifestyle. I think it makes more sense to have those things that you enjoy and just in moderation. Because, you know, if somebody told me I couldn't eat, like, I'm never allowed to eat chocolate. Like, the only thing I would want to eat is chocolate. Somebody told me I'm not allowed to have a beer. The only thing I would want to have is a beer. So, and I just, I think that's a more well-rounded way to live than saying, like, I can only drink beer that one month in December when I'm not training. You know, like, that's, that's not really going to work because I'll feel deprived the rest of the year. Um, and I, I don't think that depriving yourself is ever the right way to go when you're talking about anything. Um, that you really enjoy. So what is your go-to beer for pre and post race? Do you have a routine or do you mix it up every single time? It's something local. So wherever I'm going, you know, it's going to be something that I find there. Um, like my last race was in Cabo and I actually, the hotel I was at didn't have any real local options. So I was drinking Negro Modelo the whole time. So it's like, well, it doesn't really count. But, um, you know, when I was then, then the race before that was in Waco, um, where Haley won. And I was looking for all sorts of, you know, Texas beers. Um, I found, God, now I can't even remember. I'd have to look back at um, the ones I found, but yeah, so it's always something local if possible. We should have hung out more after the race there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I had, I had half a margarita. It was great though. It was great. <laughs> so salty and delicious at that yeah, point. I, had, I feel like I had to, I'm normally more of a beer person, but being in Texas and like eating Mexican food, I was like, I feel like I have to do margarita, but I should have tried some of the local beer. Now you've inspired me. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> so Carly, we couldn't help but notice you just talked about a couple of the races that you did recently in Cabo and in Waco, both those 70.3s. But mm-hmm. one of the things I noticed when I was reading back at your travels and race report type of posts is that you maybe have been a bit forgetful in these past couple races. So I think I have this right. So I think in Cabo, you left your swim skin in the hotel and your dad luckily was there and had to like, seems like bargain with a taxi driver to be able to go get it and bring it back to you Very in time. Exciting. In Waco, you forgot your goggles, which turned to a non-issue with the canceled swim. <laughs> And then I think we even (laughs) dug up that you might have forgotten bike shoes when you were in Lake Placid racing there at some point. So first, I mean, main question is, since we're all racing Indian Wells 70.3 here in a couple of weeks, what should Haley and I have on hand at the start of the race to make sure that you're good to go? (laughs) At this point, like an extra bike, maybe. I mean, you just never know. (laughs) My, My husband yells at me all the time, like, why don't you have a checklist? 
And so I is won this, and I lost it. Yeah. <laughs> is it just, do you think these are all just kind of one off themed, like a thing here? And then it's, it's just kind of all strung together or is this, you know, do you have a checklist or would you recommend that for our listeners with their pre-race routines? I don't know. It seems like a lot of normal people don't need them, but if you're a person like me who needs them, yes, you should absolutely have one and you should keep it somewhere where you won't lose it. I've actually like gone online before when packing for racing, Googled like Ironman checklist. As a professional athlete, I have literally Googled Ironman checklist. Um, But then I still forgot like I forget what, like I eat pop tarts before a race and I think I forgot like my pop tarts or something like that. You know, it's, it's always like something. Yeah. Checklists are a good idea. But the nice thing is like most of the places we have races, like whatever you forget, you can buy. That is true. When I forgot my bike shoes, happily my husband was coming in the next day. I had traveled or he was coming in like two days later. I think I had traveled, um, just with my daughter like two days early to make sure like to be there, try to get on East coast time, you know, do all the pre-race stuff. Um, so I was able to tell him like, Hey, by the way, bring my shoes when you come. So that were it, you know, it's usually works out. And what about like, so in Cabo, when you don't, didn't have your swim skin, your dad has now gone off to go attempt to get it for you, but you, I guess would have no idea if he's really going to make it in time. So what were you like telling yourself, were you, is that something you were, you were just like, were you cool with it? And be like, okay, well, if I don't get it, I don't get it. Or did you have like another thing you were kind of doing to like stay relaxed through kind of a chaotic time? I imagine. I know my <laughs> She's goggles. She's grabbing a beer. I know. She's grabbing a beer. She's like, oh, this is great. I got yeah, it. Well, whatever. <laughs> I was like, my day is done. So I'll just start yeah. drinking. Alyssa broke her goggles in Cabo once. I was standing right next. Yeah. And Haley's like, it's okay. It happens to me all the time. Just tie it in a knot. (laughs) And I was like, I have a checklist too. I can send Carly my checklist. No, but I am, I am interested in answer this question. So yeah. Do you panic? Are you just a calm person? In general? Yeah. I'm just able to kind of roll with it because I've gone through my life as like kind of scatterbrained and forgetful. So I'm like used to it at this point. So it doesn't really bother me. Um, I could imagine if this was like the first time it ever happened, I would be like pretty stressed out, but I'm just like, well, it'll work out. So, you know, it's just at the start line in my race kit. I have, you know, like a, I was like, well, I was just telling myself like, this thing's really tight. Like I'm probably fine. Um, the swim skin's great, but I'm probably fine. Um, and my dad ended up making it literally a minute before the gun went off. So like I was able to like squeeze it on and <laughs> made it. It was poor guy was like just drenched in sweat. Like, so stressed. And I was like, Oh, Hey, no, thanks. And just like put it on and swam, you know? So yeah, I'm pretty calm about it. I'd say I <laughs> like, think I that's four races, but it's not, related to that sort of stuff. It's more of the like nerves about just, I hope I can perform in a way that showcases the training I've done. I hope that I can, you know, do the best for me, that kind of stuff. Not like, Oh damn, I'm using someone else's goggles kind of thing. Have you ever had anything go wrong during a race and then you were able to like problem solve? Cause it seems like a great mindset to have. Like it could be very advantageous in things mm-hmm. like endurance sports where things often do go wrong. And I know I've let things get to me sometimes where I like freak out and then that doesn't solve anything. And I'm always like, stay calm. So have you ever had that happen? And were you just like, ah, no big deal. And then you went on and had your best race ever. Um, I mean, I've had nutrition fall off my bike multiple times. Like I've had trouble, uh, this year with my front hydration. It's actually like in training, it has bounced off my bike once. And then I've now done three races where it's bounced off my bike in the first five miles. So then I'm just like, just no hydration. 
but yeah, it's, it's basically like, well, I could freak out and have a terrible race and, you know, make all these excuses in my head. Like I can't race because I don't have anything to drink. I can't, I'm not going to do well because I don't have my perfect electrolyte solution. I'm not going to race well because of, of whatever. But instead, you know, I just at the first aid station, grab a bottle of Gatorade and like shove it down my shirt and keep going. You know, so it's, there's always something to do. You know, I've gotten a flat in a race and stopped to fix it. You know, there's, and it stinks, but yeah, I feel like when stuff like that happens, it sort of sharpens your concentration. So then you can kind of come together and just focus on the job to do instead of focusing on that other stuff. That's what I've found. You know, like going back to high school, I lost a contact lens in a field hockey game one time. So I could literally only see out of one eye. And I ended up scoring more goals in that game than I ever had ever. And I've told myself it was like, cause I had to concentrate so freaking hard on where the ball was. I was like seeing it better, you know? And like, so in Cabo um, or Eagle man, or I forget what the third race was, but those were two where I lost my hydration. I was just focusing on like every 15 minutes, grab this Gatorade or water out of my shirt and take a drink. And like, that's literally all I was focusing on is like negotiating it out of my shirt. Whoops and uh, drinking it instead of just ducking my head to my straw. So I'm just like concentrating on that like every 15 minutes. So my nutrition was like dialed um, and I started the run feeling good both times because I was able to just like focus on that one thing. Well, and I bet that it actually probably speaks more to, you know, I don't think that's something everyone does or is a trait that like all athletes would have because I think that's something that you learn and it's a skill that you've fine-tuned as you've learned to compete at this level and to be able to minimize distractions for yourself and just get the job done rather than kind of let the emotion of the situation come into play and allow yourself to fall apart. So, so that's definitely something, you know, I think everyone can always just work on more is remembering that it doesn't have to be a disaster. You know, now you just have to stay focused and it's a, it's a change of plans, but yeah, I think, yeah, just learning to roll with changes of plans is a valuable life skill. Like, like outside of triathlon, and certainly inside of triathlon too, just, yeah, cause every day is going to bring you something different. So you just deal with what that day brings in the best way you can. This is probably a good change of pace for my next question, uh, which is like more of a larger picture question for you. So we actually, all three of us went pro around the same time in 2013, 2014, right? Haley, were you 2013? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so what have you seen as the biggest change since, you know, in the triathlon world in that time? And what do you want to still see change within the future while you're racing? I've noticed every year, every race I go to, it seems like the fields are getting the women's, I mean, women's pro fields. I like never pay attention to the men's pro fields, but the women's pro fields seem to be getting larger and deeper, you know, times from sixth to 10th place are getting faster too. It's not like the pointy end is certainly getting really fast. And then everybody else is getting faster too. Um, as more people join the pro ranks, ITU, and I'm talking, you know, long course triathlon, cause that's the only type I do, but and more ITU athletes are coming in and making the 70.3 races a lot faster than I remember them being in 2014. Like I, can't really remember, but I feel like everybody's going a lot faster now than they were back then. It seems like there's a lot more people, you know, the racing's condensed too. There's fewer races to do. So more of us are showing up at every race too. You know, back then we had rev three and then we had challenge races in, and I only race in North America. Um, so we had 
Rev3 and we had Challenge as options. Now, we don't. Well, Challenge, we almost did in Baja, but we don't now. So, you know, we don't have as many options. So there's a lot more people showing up um, at races, which ultimately I think the amount of people showing up is great. It's a bummer we don't have options. And I would love to see more options in the future years. And I would uh, I would love to just see the women's field getting larger. I'd love to see the same participation numbers that the men's field does. And then there's literally no argument for why we can't have the same number of people at world championships if our participation numbers are right there. Um, I'd love to see that. Um, I think the racing is more exciting the more people that are there and the better people that are there. It's It just makes it better for everybody. I'd love, yeah. So I'd love to see more series, more choices and more people for sure. But, you know, just outside of pro triathlon, I'd also love to see the participation numbers staying up. Cause I feel like a lot of people get into this sport. It's very consuming. It consumes your time. It consumes your thoughts. And so I feel like there's some burnout, you know, when people, they get into it, they're consumed by it. They want to do that 70.3, that 140.6 right away. And then they burn out. You know, I'd love to see the participation stay up with smaller races, you know, getting out to do your local sprints and Olympics, as well as some longer races, if that's what you choose. But I think it seems just with what I see, you know, kind of in the L.A. area that people almost don't even count those races. And I'd love to see that change where you can just go out on a weekend and just have fun at a local sprint where thousands of people are going. So I'd, I'd love to see that continue in the next couple of years, too. And Carly, you started as an age grouper Mm -hmm. and then moved into the pro ranks. So you kind of have been all consumed, but Mm -hmm. you've been able to, uh, you know, balance that. I feel like, and and keep the fire, I guess, as you've Mm -hmm. progressed to the sport. And how do you do that? Like, do you have advice for people who might be in that and don't want to lose that spark? Yeah, I guess it goes back to, you know, why you're doing it. If you're extrinsically motivated with like age group awards or, finishing times or whatever, you know, if you're motivated by how people see you, by how you're performing, all of that stuff, then I feel like it's a lot easier to burn out. And if you can find that intrinsic motivation where you're really just trying to be the best for yourself, um, let me be the best person I can be and do that through sport. Let me, you know, show myself what I'm capable of rather than let me show others what I'm capable of. I feel like that kind of helps and you don't have to search for the motivation because it's just, it's right here. You know, it's, it's so it's hard to, Oh my daughter's I just heard her like crying. My husband just went together. Yeah. I, I guess it's hard for me to verbalize, but that's the best way I can put it. Like intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. And if you have that intrinsic motivation, then you're not searching for it because it's, you know, bettering yourself is kind of what you do and what you want to do. And if you're doing it through sport, then it's just there and you're not really searching for it. But yeah, if if all you're searching for is like a Kona spot or, you know, a sub six hour, sub five hour, whatever it is, 70.3 race, then once, if you hit that, then you're like, oh, all right, well, I guess I'm done. Or if you don't ever hit it, then you always feel like a failure rather than saying like, I want to do the best I can. I've worked really hard and I want to do the best I can and that feeling that I get from doing this is going to be enough. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, it's not like I'm not motivated by winning races. I'm not, I'm not winning races, but I'm motivated by just day in and day out. What can I do to be a better person and be a better athlete? Am I doing that? 
And then race day is just sort of like celebrating like, oh my God, I've done so much training. I, I feel like I've bettered myself in so many different ways. Like, let's just go out there and have fun and see the chips fall where they may. You can't control who shows up. You can't control what place you get really because that, that depends on who else shows up. You can control how you handle what life throws at you. You can control what race day throws at you, but, and that's all you can do. And just the best with what you get on the day. I feel like you are laying it down on the process goals versus outcome oriented goals. I'm like, this oh, is yeah, like that's another one. Lesson yes. on this. Yeah. It's something yes. that I try to work on with myself as well. Yeah. So I feel like you obviously have a very good mindset for that. That's the, that's the phrase I was trying to think of. And I'm like just circling for 30 minutes trying to think of what it is. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and I think too, like we're, you know, I'm not winning races, you know, yet, you know, um, either. And so I think, Though I, I I would say you would agree with me based on the fact of what you've said already that it always, you know, my final plug is always for to get more ladies who are considering going pro to really, you know, think about it and make that jump is I always find it is, especially now that the races, the fields are deeper, the races are getting faster. It is so much more fun to go out and race and be fifth in the pro yeah. field than to keep winning your age group. Like I firmly, firmly exactly. believe that. <laughs> exactly. Cause if you, if you just keep going and winning your age group, you're, you're never, I really feel like you're never actually going to see your full potential because you're right. not in that race at the pointy end. And yeah. I think there is a big difference. And so, you know, sometimes people's lifestyles and things of course dictate where they can spend their time and effort in sport. And I do, I realize it's not for everyone hundred percent of the right. time, but you know, for the people who think they can swing it for a little bit to try, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's really fun and it, it is worthwhile. And I think, like you said, if you keep your mind on that process goal rather, you know, and enjoying that, then the rest kind of takes care of itself. A hundred percent. Yeah. And another bonus I would say to anyone who's like considering turning pro is that at most races, pros get their own porta potties. And that's like huge. So you don't have to wait in the porta potty line. So like, come on, ladies. <laughs> Right I have there. taken advantage. Like I've taken advantage of those for sure. <laughs> right. I mean, you're not waiting that is, in a 20 minute line. It <laughs> is a North American perk though. I will add <sighs> press the roll. So it's a it's a plus to ride racing in North America. I think in Waco, I think the women's field was it was like nearly the same size as the men. So I think it was like maybe yeah. men like two or three more, which yeah. I mean, and that's how the last couple 70.3s that I've done in the oh, US. Yeah, me too. I mean, the women's racing in the 70.3 racing, it's fun. It's exciting. Yeah. There's a lot of women out there. And I did, I have noticed a lot of women this year who are like, especially this fall, first time pros, yep. you know, and, and it is, it's really encouraging. It's great to see. Yeah, absolutely. I, when I like go to a meeting and I'm like, I don't recognize half the people there. I'm like, oh my gosh, wow, this is really cool. I noticed that at Santa Cruz too, when I was there this year, it's like not recognizing anybody. And then they all turned out to be like, way faster than me. I was like, whoa, where did you guys come from? <laughs> yeah, it's really neat to see that happen. And Carly, earlier we did hear a little cameo from your daughter, Gloria, <laughs> who I believe is about two years old right now. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, she turned two at the end of October. So how has that changed your training over the last two years? One big change is I had always worked. So even, you know, I was racing amateur or pro and I was working as well. So now I'm not working another job. My like only job is triathlete, but then also mom. So I'm, so I'm home with her um, two days out of the week. She does daycare three days. Um, and then, you know, we have weekends where we like pass her like a baton. So that's made a big, it's made it like in theory, I have more time, 
um, because I do have three days out of the week where from like eight to four, it's just me. Um, so I, I technically have more time because I never had that before, but I also have less energy. You know, that's, I'm not like, I don't get home from a workout usually and like get to lounge around and recover. I get home from a workout and like take her back for my husband and like go run around outside with her. So there's, there's that balance too, but it's also made it a lot more fun. Um, because, you know, racing and training is sort of my respite from momming. And then momming is my respite from racing and training. So it's a really nice balance that we have going on. And I absolutely love that. And she makes me happier than anything else too. So that's nice too. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love getting done a race or a training session and going to like grab her and have her push me away. Be like, no, you're sweaty. <laughs> and it's just the best thing in the world. <laughs> and are you able to incorporate any ways? I mean, I guess she's still pretty young, but even yeah. just with jog stroller or anything, how yeah. are you, are you incorporating her into your training at all? And like, what are your go-tos maybe on a weekly basis or something for that? Yeah. The jogging stroller. Uh, that's our main one. Um, so like any run that doesn't have intervals, which is 90% of my runs, um, a lot of times are with the jogging stroller because it's something I can fit in in those, the two days when I have her just to myself. And then on the weekend, if my husband needs to do something, I can be like, Oh, I can still get a run in. I've got the jogging stroller. So that's been huge. Yeah. And she mostly loves it. Um, she, you know, she does the like faster mommy, and like waves at everybody. So yeah, it's, and it's also, you know, you're pushing, she's like, she's almost 30 pounds. She's still under 30 pounds and the stroller weighs God knows how much. So like you're pushing around a lot of weight. Um, so I feel like it makes the other runs feel a lot easier. When I've been with friends and we have one, I, the only thing I love about it is it carries like all your hydration and stuff. Mm -hmm. like, it is like a little mobile aid station, but it is quite that. heavy. <laughs> Do you have a certain, you know, I, I, Feel like I get asked this a lot and I never know what to say. Do you have a certain jog stroller that you recommend or that you use? Do you know what kind it is? Yeah, we have the Bob, the Bob, like Iron Man edition one. And it's the only one I've ever used. Uh, and it's great. Never used another one, so I can't compare, but this one's great. So my parents had one of like the original, like first ever invented jogging strollers when I was a baby. And my mom said like, she would push me in it until I started asking her to go faster and tell her <laughs> she needed to go faster. And then she made me get out and walk. <laughs> she was like, she was like, that's it. You're out. <laughs> get out of here, kid. <laughs> but I had yeah. no idea that there were jogging strollers like back in the, you know, eighties. I whatever. don't know if they still have it. Yeah. I have a picture from like Bloomsday, which is a big like race in Spokane, Washington, that I actually made it in the newspaper. I think it was like, they didn't know to ban strollers back then. Cause they like, weren't, like in the, they, my, I don't even know where their parents found this thing. It probably was like, I don't know if they still have it in their garage, but it was, uh, it's pretty great. But she did say once I was big enough to say, go faster. She was like, you're done. You can't tell me to go faster. <laughs> you're out coach Haley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ever since then. I think it is. I think it's cool. I mean, I did grow up growing with my, or running with my parents, you know, and, yeah. and I did always like, I think it is a healthy thing for kids. I mean, as a kid who grew up seeing their parents go for runs or going along with them, like it, it can be a, well, it can end up your kid can end up being a pretty good athlete, I guess. Right. Exactly. That's, and I'm just happy that she is growing up seeing active parents, you know, we're outside with her all the time in some fashion. Um, so I love that she's growing up to see that as normal, like seeing this like sweaty lady come home every day, like smelly and salty. Like, I like that that's normal for her. Um, you know, I like that it's normal to like watch her dad play basketball and 
to like roll around in the mud with me after a trail run, that kind of thing. Like that's a really cool normal. You know, she's super excited when she can start riding a bike. She's like really excited for that. And I think that's cool that before she was two, she knew what bike riding was and that she wanted to do it and that she wanted to do it fast. Yeah, I think that's like a really cool thing. It sounds like Gloria yeah. is going to be quite the speed demon <laughs> just from these early, yeah. like these early, uh, encounters. She's going to, she's going to like going fast. That's pretty cool. I need to invest in like body armor for her. <laughs> so Carly, you live in California and California has been in the news a lot recently for the forest fires that are happening close to home. Can you tell us a little bit about ways that we can support the community out there and just how things are going right now? In the LA area, everything's, you know, calmed down air quality wise. Um, We had rains come through that has pushed any remaining smoke out of the air. Um, You know, so we're all back outside. Um, Most, a lot of the trails are still closed in the state parks. Um, It's like, I think it was the end number was almost 85% of Santa Monica Mountain State Parks burned, which is horrifying. I mean, that's where, and this is not to mention the people who lost their homes, um, This is just parkland. That's horrifying to me because that's where we trail run. That's where we mountain bike. That's we ride our road bikes through the roads that go through the Santa Monica mountains. It's so it's going to look very different um, from now on. And so it's all recovery efforts now. Um, Same the campfire in Northern California. I know the air quality up there was even worse than it was around us um, because it was going for so long. I hope the rain, I think the rain has mostly helped that situation so people can get back outside Um, But their recovery is going to continue for forever. I mean, the entire town paradise burned down. So the main like relief organizations that I've seen that are doing a lot and will need continued support, obviously the Red Cross, they're doing all the shelters for the people who've lost their homes. So there's local Red uh, Red Cross chapters for the LA area, for the North Valley area, like the Chico area, Um, Humane Societies, Ventura County. Um, and the, what is it? I forget what the county name is up there, but there's, I can find it. But yeah, the Humane Society up there, they're running a lot of animal shelters. There was another one, another animal shelter that I found up there called the North Valley Animal Disaster Group. That was a big one. They were running a lot of shelters for large animals otherwise. And then the LA Fire Department has a foundation. They were collecting money for hydration packs. Um, similar to what we might use training, you know, the firefighters need hydration packs. So they're collecting a lot of money. And then another good one, the California Community Foundation is a big one and they do specifically wildfire relief. So they help families with anything they need. They help families, they do like mental health counseling. They help people, you know, who are displaced, who had their homes destroyed. So that's another good one that I've heard a lot about. Yeah. And then as far as like, I've just, I'm hoping that the state park, the Santa Monica Mountain State Park, um, puts out ways that we can volunteer locally um, to help get the parklands back up and going. They haven't yet. You know, nobody's really allowed in there yet except for people who are doing the official cleanup. Um, So hopefully once a lot of that is done, we'll be able to get in there and do, you know, trail restoration, something like that. Um, They haven't announced anything yet, but... And I can send you a list of links too. I have like a little list of links that I had, you know, put out that I can send over to. That'd be great. We we can definitely add that into the show notes and everything for our listeners. Yeah. It's just, I think, been devastating to everyone, especially here yeah. on the East Coast, to be watching and seeing it all. And I can't even imagine. So 
hopefully as time goes by, you know, like you said, more people are at least able to get outside. And I think that's going to be a big part of the mental aspect of recovery, at least being able to have some return to normalcy, but definitely devastating. And so people can check out the show notes again for that list of how you can help support those efforts. And Carly, we are, we do have holiday party season arriving or it's just around the corner. So kind of our final wrap up question for you is how can you help our listeners with your, do you have any go-to beers to bring to a holiday party um, to, you know, maybe a little bit more on the festive side for people? One of my favorites is Stone. They're down by San Diego, um, but they have really wide distribution, of course. Uh, there's Zoka Vesa. Um, that's their like really Christmassy holiday sort of stout. It's, um, it's got like a lot of like, chocolatey, spicy type notes to it. I think it, it's pretty strong. So it's like 8%. So that's a good festive beer. Um, that's, yeah, that's for sure. One of my favorites. Cause it's like, I'm only having one, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's really good. Um, yeah, it's Zoko Besa with an X. It's like X O C E D E Z A. All right. <laughs> I had to think about that one. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. That's I think, and I think Stone distributes that everywhere. I'm taking notes. I'm going to be the <laughs> hit of every party now. That's going to be awesome. Thank you for your advice. And we will see you in Indian Wells, seventy point three, here in a couple weeks, right? It's going to be a party. Awesome. I'll bring some beer. <laughs> yes, I know. Now I know. At the finish line, I'm like, where's Carly? <laughs> I'm so excited because we can drive there too. It's like a 90 minute drive from my house. I'm so excited. So I can actually bring stuff. It's like your hometown race. Yeah. It is. Well, especially because in March they do the desert triathlon at the same Lake Kuia. And we call that like the Southwest national regional world championships or some combination of those letters. Cause it's just like a San Diego, LA triathlon party. And like everybody goes and does that. And it's really cool. Cause it's just like a local Olympic owned by a local race company. Um, but it always has a good turnout every year and it's on very similar roads. Um, so I got so excited when they announced this race. Um, it's like, so have you, have you swum in this lake before? Mm-hmm. Is it as cold as people say? Cause we had a listener question last week about the water temperature. It really oh, is low fifties. Okay. Low fifties. I mean, by March it's over 60. Okay. So maybe it's not still low sixties, but again, that's March. So right now, I mean, I wouldn't, I was expecting high fifties, but I actually, I haven't done any research. That was just like in my head. I was thinking like, well, if it's 62 in March, it's probably 59 now. Like I have no idea, but it's going to be cold. It's, there's no way it's comfortable. Do you have Uh, tips for anyone? (laughs) <laughs> me? <laughs> kidding. I would not warm up in the water. That's for sure. I would do a dry land warm up and get a lot of heat generated in that wetsuit. I would not, I'm not getting in the water until they make me, but splashing it on the face. So you get rid of the ice cream headache, you know, like dunk your face in the water. So you can at least feel it um, before you dive in uh, neoprene cap, obviously. I've swum there in neoprene booties. I did desert triathlon in neoprene booties because I'm a big, huge wimp. Um, I probably, they, I feel like they kind of slow you down. So I probably won't use them for this race. Yeah, you can, you can use them if you feel like you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I need to be slowed down in the swim. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would definitely say for anyone in the women's pro field, neoprene booties are where it's at. Um, <laughs> Or if awesome. you like, don't mind. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it'll be fun though. It's going to be fast. That's great. Well, 
Yeah. Good to hear that some from someone who's been there since it is an inaugural race, but obviously they've had other races in the yeah. area. So it's nice to hear someone who's more of a local telling us it's a great place to be. So I'm gets me more excited to go there. Nice roads too. The roads are like in good shape and the I the elevation gain's gotta be zero. I don't think wow. there's anything. Um but the roads are in like nice shape, which will be nice to see, especially after like the last two races I've done. It's like oh, sweet, good roads. Like maybe my oh shit, I didn't buy a new hydration system. Oh, there you go. It's on. Was, the, it's on. <laughs> you got to do was, it. I don't think it's going to bounce off this race. I'm like, I don't have one. All right. <laughs> Once I'm again, I feel like it. hydration is totally overrated. I'm sure you can get through it without it. You know. Glad we had this conversation. So figure that out. All right. So I'm going to go do that. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Carly. Thank you for all of your tips from everything from from racing Indian Wells to, uh, beers for the holidays. I've uh, been a great conversation and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks guys. Okay. Haley. Well, for our listeners who are following us all in our racing careers too. So we all, Haley, me and Carly will all be racing Indian Wells, obviously now in a couple weeks, December 9th. So be sure to follow us there. And I think it's going to be fun. It'll be like really fun to reunite in person, Haley. I'm excited for that. Yes. And I'm excited to uh, find Carly at the finish line and get some nice uh, craft beers to celebrate with. Right. Exactly. But <laughs> end for- of the season race, it's you have to celebrate. And then we have like the expert there. That's true. All good things. And so Haley, before Indian Wells, though, we do have a huge event coming up this weekend. You will be at the Outspoken Summit in Tempe. And hopefully you will be sharing some of what's going on there next week on our episode where we kind of recap the summit. But in the meantime, for those of us who can't be in Tempe, follow at Iron Women Podcast across the social media and we will be getting out some information through those channels. Yeah, it should be a great time. Lots of amazing speakers and I will do my best at being the master of ceremonies of everyone's, um, wildest dreams. It's going to be a fun time. So if you're in Tempe, definitely come say hi. Otherwise tune in next week and I'll give you the rundown of what went down, what happened. Well, Haley, I can't wait to hear all about it. Have so much fun and I'll talk to you next week. Bye Alyssa. This is a special song. It's me and my friend's song that we made ourselves. This song is called Here I Am, Get Ready for the Chorus. I am here, now you cannot take me. I will stand up this whole entire time. I am strong, now you cannot beat me. I will stand up because I am here. The Iron Woman Podcast is a live, feisty media production. Our hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chara, and our awesome editors, Aaron Hamilton. Also, we couldn't do this without our sponsors, Wahoo Fitness, FTC Nutrition, and SmashFest Queen. Queen.